May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Please be seated. Many of us have a person in our lives, or maybe we are that person in our lives, that begins stories in this way. Back in my day, or when I was a kid many, many years ago, and sometimes those of us listening love those stories. We get a glimpse of what life was like for our older friends and relatives. Other times, maybe not so much. I guess it depends on the story and the storyteller. Right now, my kids and I are rereading my absolute favorite children's book series, The Little House on the Prairie by Laura Ingalls Wilder. I know many of you are familiar with the story, and Ingalls Wilder begins the story, the very first book, in the old-fashioned way. Once upon a time, she says, 60 years ago, a little girl lived in, a, in the big woods of Wisconsin in a little gray house made of logs. The story is actually set more like 140 years ago, but that doesn't really matter. What matters is the story that she launches into, a several-volume narrative about survival in the new American West. Because of these books, me and my children are having lots of great conversations about back in the day, about food preparation and storage, about bears and toys and electricity and snow. Things were really different back then, causing our conversations to waffle between yearning and relief. Because that happens a lot in those back-in-my-day conversations, doesn't it? We think nostalgically about how simple or easy things were, how much better they were back in the old times. The past often seems to end up with this superlative, starry quality until we really start thinking about how hard it was to accomplish things when we had to walk uphill both ways in the snow. I love the idea, for example, of the closeness of homemaking in the Little House on the Prairie series, really until I start reading about something like head cheese or laundry that takes three days. That doesn't sound like fun to me at all. There are so many things that separate us from the way back then days. Generations of births and deaths, technology, new worldly knowledge. As a species, regardless of how we might long for some of those halcyon days, we are trained to continue to move forward so that we no longer have to store cured meat in the attic of our log cabins for six months or be felled by smallpox, or be tethered to the wall when we talk on the telephone. Our gospel reading for the Feast of the Nativity, read so beautifully by these kids a few minutes ago, begins with these words. In those days, a decree went out. In those days. Those days, we learn, were ruled by an emperor, Historians have a hard time pinning down the exact time of this particular decree because, like so many of the 
back-in-the-day stories, many details have been melded together to create this whole story. What we do know is that in that day and time, in those days, an emperor can make a ruling to all the world and everyone, regardless of who or where or how pregnant, will make immediate preparations to obey. In those days, time is defined by who is in charge and what they tell their subjects to do. This evening's story of those days is set under Roman rule, which was really Roman oppression. Fear, fear of illness, of imprisonment, of death, was common currency to get the people to behave. The power of the rulers was absolute. But then, and then, what happened back then? I can only imagine that those who hear this story for the first time expect that the next thing will be something huge for God's entrance into the world. Stampeding chariots of warrior armies, vast liturgies of heavenly host, or maybe at least lavish descriptions of the beautiful child born with the luminous face and hair like a raven's wing, eyes like stars, and perfectly soft skin. This is the moment in our story if there ever was one for sonnets and songs, for prayer and praise and loud alleluias, this world-altering moment when time changes, when everything shifts heavenward, when, as our blessing this evening says, the word made flesh joined heaven to earth and earth to heaven. This part of our story should go on and on and on this moment. But she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him at the inn. That's it. That's the sum total of the earth-changing part of the story. With this mild sentence, the details and contents of which have been argued for centuries, we learn that a child was born into the world. The child. The Messiah. What we know is that a new thing is born with him, no matter how simple this entrance is announced. That tiny child ushered in a promise, a new promise, a promise that God is close, a promise that we are no longer defined by the human rulers under whom we live, a promise that we no longer live in those days. We no longer live in those days when God was far and fear had a place in the throne room. With the Messiah's birth comes a new time, a time when we are set free by the announcement, do not be afraid, to you is born this day a Savior who is the Messiah, the Lord. And the angels repeat this again and again. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. We live in 
this day when Christ is born unto us, casting light into shadows, revealing truth, banishing evil, do not be afraid. I am not so naive as to believe that fear no longer exists in the world. Political powers, just like then, still use fear to control us. We are fed a steady diet of fear of the other, of the poor, of the immigrant, of the refugee. We are told that if we do not close our doors, our borders, our hearts, we will all be victimized or reduced or made less. We are manipulated with information designed to make us so fearful that we will try to vote or buy or steal what we have come to believe will insulate us from the things that we are taught to be afraid of. We live in a world that still believes in the power of fear. We live in a world that still wants us to close down and cower and obey. But she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no place for him at the inn. And both the day of Christ's birth way back then and this day when we remember it, the angels remind us that fear, fear is for those days. On this day, a child is born unto us and he is the Savior, the Messiah, the Lord. We no longer need that steady diet of fear. We can replace it with something that will nourish us and help us to grow into the body we are called to be. We can replace fear with love. We can replace no with yes. We can replace closed with open. We can replace caged with forgiven and loved and free. We can replace those old days with this day. Every time we, are, we hear this story, we are given the opportunity to remember those days for what they are, long ago, far away. We are those who have known the mystery of the light of Christ here on earth, and we are given the opportunity in this day not just to hear the angel voices as a pretty chorus for the shepherds, but as a unified messenger choir, do not be afraid because those days are past. On this day, a child is born. God is near. God is here.